Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's program, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with audio adaptations of two rounds of frightening classic fiction about murderous minds and longings for the afterlife. I'm Jason Hill host of the Horror Hill podcast now in its third season, available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts can be found. If you can't get enough of the macabre, look me up too, and subscribe for even more horror than you can handle, each and every week. Tonight, I'll be filling in for Steve Taylor, and I'll be your guide accompanying you as we yet again traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Charles V. Devet and Guy de Montpassant to life are voice talents Miles Coutenia and host of our Scary Stories Told in the Dark podcast, Otis Gyre. Both of tonight's stories are classics, and have survived for well over a century for what I'm sure you'll find are very good reasons. They give the word timeless a whole nother meaning. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds. Embrace yourself. 
It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale tonight comes to us from Charles V. DeVette and is performed by Otis Gyre. In it, a gentleman just can't wait to get to the finish line of life and uses his wealth and influence to try and buy himself a sneak peek into the beyond. And, well, you know what they say about money. That it can't buy you love. But can it buy you time? Stay tuned and find out. <laughs> Without further ado, I present to you... There is a Reaper. The amber brown of the liquor disguised the poison it held, and I watched with a smile on my lips as he drank it. There was no pity in my heart for him. He was a jackal in the jungle of life, and I, I was one of the carnivores. It is the lot of jackals of life to be devoured by the carnivore. Suddenly, the contented look in his face froze into a startled stillness. I knew he was feeling the first savage twinge of the agony that was to come. He turned his head and looked at me, and I saw suddenly that he knew what I had done. You murderer! he cursed me. And then his body arched in the middle and his voice choked off deep in his throat. For a short minute, he sat tense, his body stiffened by the agony that rode it, unable to move a muscle. I watched the torment in his eyes build up to a crescendo of pain, until the suffering became so great that it filmed his eyes, and I knew that, though he still stared directly at me, he no longer saw me. Then, as suddenly as the spasm had come, the starch went out of his body and his back slid slowly down the chair edge. He landed heavily, with his head resting limply against the seat of the chair. His right leg doubled up in kind of a jerk before he was still. I knew the time had come. Where are you? I asked. This moment had cost me $60,000. Three weeks ago, the best doctors in the state had given me a month to live. And with $7 million in the bank, I couldn't buy a minute more. I accepted the doctor's decision, philosophically, like the gambler that I am. But I had a plan one which necessity had never forced me to use until now. Several years before, I had read an article about the medicine men of a certain tribe of aborigines living in the jungles at the source of the Amazon River. They had discovered a process in which the juice of a certain bush, known only to them, could be used to poison a man. Anyone subjected to this poison died, but for a few minutes... After the life left his body, the medicine men could still converse with him. The subject, though ostensibly, and actually dead, answered the medicine men's every question. 
This was their primitive, though reportedly effective method of catching glimpses of what lay in the world of death. I had conceived my idea at the time I read the article, but I had never had the need to use it until the doctors gave me a month to live. Then I spent my $60,000, and three weeks later I held in my hands a small bottle of the witch doctor's fluid. The next step was to secure my victim, my collaborator, I preferred to call him. The man I chose was a nobody, a homeless, friendless non-entity picked up off the street. He had once been an educated man, but now he was only a bum, and when he died, he'd never be missed. A perfect man for my experiment. I'm a rich man because I have a system. The system is simple. I never make a move until I know exactly where that move will lead me. My field of operations is the stock market. I spend money unstintingly to secure the information I need before I take each step. I hire the best investigators, bribe employees and persons in positions to give me the information I want, and only when I am as certain as humanly possible that I cannot be wrong do I move. And the system never fails. Seven million dollars in the bank is proof of that. Now, knowing that I could not live... I intended to make the system work for me one last time before I died. I'm a firm believer in the adage that any situation can be whipped, given prior knowledge of its coming, and of course its attendant circumstances. For a moment, he did not answer, and I began to fear that my experiment had failed. Where are you? I repeated louder and sharper this time. The small muscles about his eyes puckered, with a normal tension, while the rest of his face held its death frost. Slowly, slowly, unnaturally, as though energized by some hyper-rational power, his lips and tongue moved. The words he spoke were clear. I am in a, a tunnel, he said. It is lighted dimly, but there is nothing for me to see. Blue veins showed through the flesh of his cheeks like watermarks on translucent paper. He paused, and I urged, Go on. I am alone, he said. The realities I knew no longer exist, and I am damp and cold. All about me is a sense of gloom and dejection. It's an apprehension, an emanation, so deep and real as to be almost a tangible thing. The walls to either side of me seem to be formed not of substance, but rather of the soundless cries of melancholy of spirits I cannot see. I'm waiting, waiting in the gloom for something which will come to me. That need to wait is an innate part of my being, and I have no thought of questioning it. His voice died again. What are you waiting for? I asked. I do not know, he said, his voice dreary with the despair of centuries of hopelessness. I only know that I must wait. That compulsion is greater than mine. 
strength to combat. The tone of his voice changed slightly. The tunnel about me is widening, and now the walls have receded into invisibility. The tunnel has become a plain, but the plain is as desolate, as forlorn and dreary as was the tunnel, and still I stand and wait. How long must this go on? He felt silent again, and I was about to prompt him with another question. I could not afford to let the time run out in long silences, but abruptly the muscles about his eyes tightened, and suddenly a new aspect replaced their hopeless dejection. Now they expressed a black, bottomless terror. For a moment, I marveled that so small a portion of a facial anatomy could express such horror. There is something coming toward me, he said. A beast of brutish foulness? Beast is too inadequate a term to describe it, but I know no words to tell its form. It is an intangible and evasive thing, but very real, and it is coming closer. It has no organs of sight as I know them, but I feel that it can see me, or rather that it is aware of me with a sense sharper than vision itself. It is very near, God. It is very near now. Oh, God, the malevolence, the hate, the potentiality of awful, fearsome destructiveness that is its very essence. And still I cannot move. The expression of terrified anticipation centered in his eyes, lessened slightly and was replaced instantly by its former deep, deep despair. I am no longer afraid, he said. Why, I interjected. Why? I was impatient to learn all that I could before the end came. Because... He paused. Because it holds no threat for me. Somehow, someday, I understand. I know. That it, too, is seeking for which I wait. What is it doing now? I asked. It has stopped beside me, and we stand together, gazing across the stark, empty plain. Now a second awful entity with the same leashed virulence above it moves up and stands at my other side. We all three wait, myself with a dark fear of this dismal universe, my unnatural companions with patient, malicious menace. Bits of he faltered. Uh, uh, I can name it only Aura. Go out from the beasts like an acid stream and touch me in the hate and the venom. Show my body like a wave of intense cold. Now there are others of the awful breed behind me. We stand, waiting, waiting for that which will come. What it is, I do not know. I could see the pallor of death creeping steadily into the last corners of his lips, and I knew that the end was not far away. Suddenly, a black frustration built up within me. What are you waiting for? 
I screamed the tenseness and the importance of this moment forcing me to lose the iron self-control upon which I have always pried myself. I knew that the answer held the secret of what I must know. If I could learn that, my experiment would not be in vain, and I could make whatever preparations were necessary for my own death. I had to know that answer. Think, think, I pleaded. What are you waiting for? I do not know. The dreary despair in his eyes, sightless as they met mine, chilled me with a coldness that I felt in the marrow of my being. I do not know, he repeated. I, yes, I do know. Abruptly, the plasmatic film cleared from his eyes, and I knew that, for the first time, since the poison struck, he was seeing me, clearly. I sensed that this was the last moment before he left, for good. It had to be now. Tell me, I command you, I cried. What are you waiting for? His voice was quiet as he murmured, softly, implacably, before he was gone. We are waiting, he said, for you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed There Is a Reaper, as written by Charles DeVette and performed by Otis Gyrie. If you enjoyed Otis's performance... Please check out more of him at his show, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, now in its eighth season and available to listen to for free at simplyscarypodcast.com and wherever podcasts can be found. You won't be sorry you did. And if the free offerings aren't enough, you can sign up as a patron at chillingtalesfordarknights.com and get access to premium double-length episodes too. What have you got to lose? Except some sleep. Eh, who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Up next, we've got a second sinister story for you. As written by author Guy de Maupassant and performed by Miles Coutinho. In it, you're gifted a one-way ticket into the darkest regions of the mind of a bona fide psychopath. And this glimpse into the machinations of a man devoid of any empathy whatsoever may just leave you looking over your shoulder, wondering if you've got someone like him 
in your very midst. After all, everyone knows someone who's a little... different. Without further ado, I present to you... The Diary of a Madman. He was dead. The head of a high tribunal, the upright magistrate whose irreproachable life was a proverb in all the courts of France. Advocates, young counselors, judges had greeted him at the sight of his large, thin, pale face lighted up by two sparkling, deep-set eyes, bowing low in token of respect. He had passed his life in pursuing crime and in protecting the weak. Swindlers and murderers had no more redoubtable the enemy for he seemed to read the most secret thoughts of their minds. He was dead now, at the age of 82, honored by the homage and followed by the regrets of a whole people. Soldiers in red trousers had escorted him to the tomb, and men in white cravats had spoken words and shed tears that seemed to be sincere beside his grave. But here is the strange paper found by the dismayed notary in the desk where he had kept the records of great criminals. It was entitled... Why? 20th June, 1851. I have just left court. I have condemned Blondel to death. Now, why did this man kill his five children? Frequently one meets with people to whom the destruction of life is a pleasure. Yes, yes, it should be a pleasure, the greatest of all, perhaps. For is not killing the next thing to creating, to make and to destroy? These two words contain the history of the universe, all the history of worlds, all that is all. Why is it not intoxicating to kill? 25th June. To think that a being is there who lives, who walks, who runs. A being? What is a being? That animated thing that bears in it the principle of motion and a will ruling that motion. It is attached to nothing, this thing. Its feet do not belong on the ground. It is a grain of life that moves on the earth, and this grain of life, coming I know not whence, one can destroy at one's will. Then nothing, nothing more. It perishes, it is finished. 26th June. Why, then, is it a crime to kill? Yes, why? On the contrary, it is the law of nature. The mission of every being is to kill. He kills to live, and he kills to kill. The beast kills without ceasing, all day, every instant of his existence. Man kills without ceasing to nourish himself. But since he needs, besides, to kill for pleasure... He has invented hunting. The child kills the insects he finds, the little birds, all the little animals that come in his way. But this does not suffice for the irresistible need to massacre that is in us. It is not enough to kill beasts. We must kill man, too. Long ago, this need was satisfied by human sacrifices. Now the requirements of social life have made murder a crime. We condemn and punish the assassin. But as we cannot live without yielding to this natural and imperious instinct of death, 
we relieve ourselves from time to time by wars. Then a whole nation slaughters another nation. It is a feast of blood, a feast that maddens armies and that intoxicates civilians, women, and children who read by lamplight at night the feverish story of massacre. One might suppose that those destined to accomplish these butcheries of men would be despised. No, they are loaded with honors. They are clad in gold and in resplendent garments. They wear plumes on their heads and ornaments on their breasts, and they are given crosses, rewards, titles of every kind. They are proud, respected, loved by women, cheered by the crowd, solely because their mission is to shed human blood. They drag through the streets their instruments of death that the passerby, clad in black, looks on with envy. For to kill is the great law set by nature in the heart of existence. There is nothing more beautiful and honorable than killing. 30th June. To kill is the law, because nature loves eternal youth. She seems to cry in all her unconscious acts. Quick, quick, quick. The more she destroys, the more she renews herself. 2nd July. A human being? What is a human being? Through thought, it is a reflection of all that is. Through memory and science, it is an abridged edition of the universe whose history it represents, a mirror of things and of nations. Each human being becomes a microcosm in the macrocosm. 3rd July. It must be a pleasure, unique and full of zest, to kill to have there before one the living, thinking being, to make therein a little hole, nothing but a little hole, to see that red thing flow which is the blood which makes life, and to have before one only a heap of limp flesh, cold, inert, void of thought. 5th August. I who have passed my life in judging, condemning, killing by the spoken word, killing by the guillotine those who had killed by the knife. I, I, if I should do as all the assassins have done whom I have smitten, I, I, who would know it? 10th August, who would ever know? Who would ever suspect me, me, me? Especially if I should choose a being I had no interest in doing away with. 15th August. The temptation has come to me. It pervades my whole being. My hands tremble with the desire to kill. 22nd August. I could resist no longer. I killed the little creature as an experiment for a beginning. Jeanne, my servant, had a goldfinch in a cage hung in the office window. I sent him on an errand, and I took the little bird in my hand, in my hand, where I felt its heart beat. It was warm. I went up to my room. From time to time, I squeezed it tighter. Its heart beat faster. 
This was atrocious and delicious. I was near choking it, but I could not see the blood. Then, I took scissors, short nail scissors, and I cut its throat with three slits, quite gently. It opened its bill. It struggled to escape me, but I held it. Oh, I held it. I could have held a mad dog, and I saw the blood trickle. And then I did as assassins do, real ones. I washed the scissors. I washed my hands. I sprinkled water and took the body, the corpse, to the garden to hide it. I buried it under a strawberry plant. It will never be found. Every day I shall eat a strawberry from that plant. How one can enjoy life when one knows how! My servant cried. He thought his bird flown. How could he suspect me? <laughs> 25th August. I must kill a man. I must. 30th August. It is done. But what a little thing. I had gone for a walk in the forest of Venaise. I was thinking of nothing, literally nothing. A child was in the room, a little child eating a slice of bread and butter. He stops to see me pass and he says, Good day, Mr. President. And the thought enters my head, Shall I kill him? I answer, You are alone, my boy? Yes, sir. All alone in the wood? Yes, sir. The wish to kill him intoxicated me like wine. I approached him quite softly, persuaded that he was going to run away. And suddenly, I seized him by the throat. He looked at me with terror in his eyes. Such eyes! He held my wrists in his little hands, and his body writhed like a feather over fire. Then he moved. No more. I threw the body in the ditch and some weeds on top of it. I returned home and dined well. What a little thing it was. In the evening I was very gay, light, rejuvenated. I passed the evening at the prefects. They found me witty, but I have not seen blood. I am tranquil. 31st August. The body has been discovered. They are hunting for the assassin. <laughs> 1st September. Two tramps have been arrested. Proofs are lacking. 2nd September. The parents have been to see me. They wept. <laughs> 6th October. Nothing has been discovered. Some strolling vagabond must have done the deed. <laughs> if I had seen the blood flow, it seems to me I should be tranquil now. The desire to kill is in my blood. It is like the passion of youth at twenty. 20th October. Yet another. I was walking by the river after breakfast. 
and I saw, under a willow, a fisherman asleep. It was noon. A spade was standing in a potato field nearby, as if expressly for me. I took it. I returned. I raised it like a club, and with one blow of the edge I cleft the fisherman's head. Oh, he bled this one! Rose-colored blood! It flowed into the water quite gently, and I went away with the grave step. If I had been seen, <laughs> I should have made an excellent assassin! 25th October The affair of the fisherman makes a great stir. His nephew, who fished with him, is charged with the murder. 26th October The examining magistrate affirms that the nephew is guilty. Everybody in town believes it! <laughs> 27th October The nephew makes a very poor witness. He had gone to the village to buy bread and cheese, he declared. He swore that his uncle had been killed in his absence. Who would believe him? 28th October The nephew has all but confessed. They have battered him so. <laughs> Justice! 15th November There are overwhelming proofs against the nephew, who was his uncle's heir. I shall preside at the sessions. 25th January. To death, to death, to death. I have had him condemned to death. <laughs> the Advocate General spoke like an angel. <laughs> Yet another. I shall go to see him executed. 10th March. It is done. They guillotined him this morning. He died very well. Very well. That gave me pleasure. How fine it is to see a man's head cut off! Now, I shall wait. I can wait. It would take such a little thing to let myself be caught. The manuscript contained yet other pages, but without relating any new crime. Alienist physicians to whom the awful story has been submitted declare that there are in this world many undiscovered madmen as adroit and as much to be feared as this monstrous lunatic. I hope you enjoyed The Diary of a Madman, as written by Guy de Maupassant and voiced by Miles Coutinha. And with that, dear listeners... Our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close, but before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode, and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week, 
when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a production of Chilling Entertainment, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted by yours truly, Steve Taylor. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Logo by Craig Groshek. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? We take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at chillingtalesfordarknights.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to us. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories including those you've heard on this program. We'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.